Hey guys, I wanted to let you know about a new project I've been working on for quite some time that I am so excited about. It is a fresh book just for all you mamas called Doing It All. Stop overfunctioning and become the mom and person you're meant to be. Doing It All is a simple framework designed to help you organize your stress, clear your mental clutter, and make more space for what really matters in your life. This book is about sharing my blueprint for achieving a centered life as a real working mom with real working mom problems. It's not about achieving a dazzling fantasy life of ease, wealth, and perfection, but a realistic life that's purposeful, organized, and aligned with your personal values. A life where you're able to prioritize what really matters and where everything, even laundry, has its place. Work calls? Yep. Time with your kids? Absolutely. Time for yourself? A top priority. Yes, you heard that right. This has nothing to do with manifesting positive vibes. You won't find a single affirmation here. Instead, you'll discover a practical framework, step-by-step plan, and over 40 targeted exercises, prompts, and activities. You can pre-order right now at amazon.com. Look for Doing It All by Dr. Whitney. Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Welcome back to the Modern Mommy Doc Podcast. I am excited today. I have Miss Amber Trueblood with us. We're going to be talking about getting unflustered as a mom. We're going to talk about what are all the practical things that you can do and how to have perspective. Amber, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's I'm so excited to chat with your audience today and hopefully share some real life realistic strategies that they can actually like impart in their lives tonight. Yes, 100%. This is such a huge topic. Yesterday in my office, I was talking with a fellow pediatrician and she was saying, I really feel like parents these days, they need to give them parenting classes. Like they have no idea how to parent their kids. They feel like they've just like given up. This is a kind of older school doc who's in my, my practice. And I said, you know, if I'm being honest, I think there's two things going on. I think one, parents have so much conflicting information and like pulled on their cart about how they were parented and then all the new information that's coming out in the new science about like emotional yeah. regulation and all that, right? So they find themselves caught in this weird middle, of like, I don't know what to do. But I said, so we can educate them on that. That's for sure. I was like, but the bigger thing I think is just these moms are coming in and dads are coming in a lot of times, two people working in the home, multiple siblings, out of a pandemic, so many expectations, a lot going on, and they feel flustered. And it's really hard to focus on good parenting when you feel flustered. <laughs> yeah. 
So true. It's so true. And and with people who are newer to the parenting world, you know, especially if they're having like if they're adopting older kids, that's one thing that has a different set of factors. But if you are if you have a newborn in your house or even a six month old or six month old and a three year old, you're dealing with are your basic physiological needs even being met? Because it's hard to have any clarity or decision making skills when you are exhausted, when you're physically exhausted. It's so difficult to A, keep your patience, B, think clearly at all. And so, you know, we can share like really hard and fast some tools around that because to me, those are completely correlated to and intermingled with your emotional well-being and your yes. ability to reduce stress and overwhelm in the, min- in the moment. It's not separate. It's not like, oh, worry about sleep later. We all know, like we all know that it's related, but we often, I think, just when we're out and about and we're feeling impatient and then we're beating ourselves up for, you know, snapping people or snapping other kids or, you know, getting all the way to the park and then realizing we forgot the very snack bag that we just spent an hour cutting up all the flipping pieces of and kids don't want to leave the park, go back and get it, but you have all this healthy food and you just, you know, and then we spiral and it's this. Uh, not necessarily shame at that level, but this frustration, this self-judgment, and and then that amplifies everything else, right? So we have some strategies I would love to share with you and talk to you about today that I think can help. But I I also think too, Whitney, that we we got to start with something that you mentioned earlier is when we're getting all this advice from all these different sources and people who like care about us like people who know us they want the they're not trying to make us crazy right for the most part hopefully right Mm -hmm. and our physicians and our therapists and our neighbors and our cousins and our mother-in-laws like hopefully everybody really is coming at it with the best intentions possible i like to believe that about people yeah i choose sure i choose (laughs) that about do it do it It makes my life and my heart easier but what happens then, especially if it's an age and stage that we're, that's new to us, we tend to default to other people's opinions, especially if we respect them. However, we in that process, we often forget to tune into what feels right to us and yeah. have that balance and that self-trust. Because if you make a decision based on like, this feels really strong at my core, you're more able to stick to it. Like kids can read a mile away if you don't really believe what the heck you're saying or the rules you're making or you're mm-hmm. unsure. They can read it and they're going to respond differently. Like yeah. if you are a vegan household, for instance, and you are clear as all get out of what your beliefs are about food, the kids hear that. They see it. They know this is not a like negotiating factor. And so... I think often when we get advice from other people, we're like, okay, all right, I'll try that. Like, you are not fully on board and your kids aren't, and you're going to get a different response than if you take the advice and you sit with it for a moment. I know you all don't have a lot of time, but you just check in. Like, how does this feel? Does this resonate with what I really care about? What's what's important to me? Hmm, this part does, but this part, not so much. And then move forward from there. Oh my gosh, your chances of success, I think in any area, whether that's like a parenting thing, whether that's health and wellness of physical things, whether that's a bedtime, whether that's whether you're going to give your kids dessert after lunchtime, whatever it is that you're trying to figure out is your your rules in the house or your guidelines or, oh shoot, now it's summer. Does 
bedtime change, like (laughs) all of these things. I would just encourage you first and foremost, like listen to the advice. And before you make a decision, check in with yourself. The more you can get aligned with your decisions, both within yourself and with your partner, any other parenting, any other people that are parenting your children along with you, right? So it could be your partner, but it also could be a babysitter. It could be a neighbor that watches them four days a week while you're working. You know, it could be a grandparent, you know, the more you can get on the same page. Um, And we can talk about specific strategies, I think, that can help instead of like, hey, this is the new rule, period. (laughs) That doesn't always work. No. Okay. I have so much to say about that in in agreement. And also like a question for you and something that I've grappled with a long time. I think a lot of our listeners do. But first, we have to back up for a second. I don't don't want to. So just tell me what we were because then they're going to like, you know, take your advice with so much gravitas. By the way, my name's Amber. Hi. Okay. So my name's Amber Trueblood. So I just jump in, right? I get excited. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm mom to four boys who are right now ages 10, 12, 14, and 15 years old. We have experienced a lot of different schooling. So we did a lot of homeschooling. We did outschooling. We did traveling. They're back in traditional school now. We live in San Diego and I, you know, I'm really all about, I love to write and I love to read books. So I just published my second book called The Unflustered Mom. And it's about, it's by and large about anxiety, not necessarily diagnosable levels of anxiety. It's about Mm -hmm. the daily stress, anxiety, overwhelm we feel as humans in a day, in a week, in our month, and the practical strategies that we can use to depending on our specific anxiety style, what's most likely to work for you in reducing those those feelings of overwhelm. Not that they're not ever going to happen. You're going to be like, ooh, on cloud line nine, mm-hmm. completely forever unflustered. But when the flusterable moments come up, do you have the tools in your emotional toolbox to deal with it effectively, easily, quickly, and in a way that doesn't necessarily require a whole lot of space and time, which you may not have. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I love it. Thank you. Because <laughs> then people, A, will go out and get the book. I think, like, I I highly recommend I was able to go get in and read it before I talked to you and I really loved it. Yeah. And two, they'll just understand where you're coming from and kind of the scientific background and like the credentials that you have behind your name versus you, again, being potentially another person that's just like on the internet really goodwill, wanting the best for moms, but maybe not understanding kind of like the actual way that dynamics work or psychotherapy. Okay, so here's my thing about what you said about being able to trust yourself. Mm -hmm. I think this is one of the fundamental... Actually, I know. I'm not going to say I think. I know. This is one of the fundamental issues for moms today Mm -hmm. is that many of us, not that speak for every single listener, many of us, including myself, were conditioned as women, as young girls, to be like pleasing, be like yes people, to not make too many people upset. We're conditioned by society because we're women, you know, to kind of like accept lower pay and to kind of be in a more subservient role. We are conditioned to kind of not be able to trust that we have the same level of worth as other people that we should have our needs and our feelings met with the same level of priority as other people and that we don't deserve the same level of space 
as other people. So this like hot mama kind of meme or like mantra that goes around for people, which I make fun of all the time on my social media. So you'll see me being like me yelling at my kids because I'm like literally hanging on by a thread. You know what I mean? And there's like a, yeah, a movie. But so I know that that makes it so hard for people, to, for women, moms, to know themselves and trust themselves and perpetuates this lack of healthy boundaries that then makes it so that people totally can smell fear on us, yeah. not trust that what we're saying, because we don't trust ourselves. So some of the most important work that I do with moms and that I have done myself, on myself, is learning to listen to myself, giving myself the space to be able to listen to what I want and what I need, which for me comes, I'm going to give you like a hot tip here, mom, comes from like moving my body in nature, like going on a walk in nature. And you don't have to be in silence. You can like listen to Beyonce. You can listen to Bieber. You can listen to Dua Lipa. Okay, you can pick your brand of like relaxation. Those are my, like return to 1999. Is getting quiet in my own brain and having a moment to process it. Mm-hmm. But then it's practicing it in safe spaces, right. setting the boundaries and then extending it out to other people where it's more difficult. So I want your take on that. But that, uh, I firmly believe that this is a huge part of it is this lack of boundaries that moms have, not based off their own desire to be that way or because there's something weak about them yeah. but because of how they've been conditioned and then what happens when you become a mom and your priorities already kind of go to the bottom of the list yeah. because so many physical needs for your kid and your family right yes so many things oh my gosh okay here we go dang there is hope yeah y'all there is there are ways through this i agree with you wholeheartedly and i think the people around us do change and can change, but not necessarily when and how we want them to ever, yes. right? So, you know, the old adage that several people I think have been quoted with different versions of this, but essentially, you know, we treat other people how to treat us yep. by how we treat ourselves, not by telling them how we think they should treat us. It really is modeling to other people how we treat ourselves. And that's so much easier said than done for many mm-hmm. of us. So, and I think there's some very real things that we can do to help move in that direction in the, in the book and in life. And whenever I'm talking to clients or on podcasts, I talk about having, you know, kind of two different sets of tools at your disposal. One are preventative tools. So these are things like you mentioned, you know, deeply for yourself that moving in nature fills you up that it fills you up, it makes makes you more emotionally resilient, right? It helps mm-hmm. you physically, it probably helps you sleep, it probably helps your digestive tract, like it probably helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the all things. kinds <laughs> of things, your decision-making ability, your memory, your con- ability to concentrate, your ability to remember things, your problem-solving ability, it goes on and on, right? And so you already know that. So you can put that in your basket of preventative things. Hey, three days a week or every single morning, or whatever it is, two days a week, whatever's realistic, or okay, we're on vacation this week, so I'm going to make sure to do it before we leave for the airport, I'm going to pack the night before, and I'm going to still take my walk, whatever it is. So those are in your preventative toolbox. And then I also really want parents to have the -the in-the-moment tools. Yeah, And the way I break them up, just so y'all know, is literally one-minute tools. So these are things like neurohacks, Mm -hmm. which I am obsessed with, because 
Sometimes when you're feeling overwhelmed or angry or hurt or anxious, it's really hard to talk yourself out of it or gratitude yourself out. I mean, it, it's possible. I love yeah. gratitude. I, I love gratitude practices. I love breathing practices. I love meditation practices. I love visualization practices. I talk about them all the time. I teach them all the time. However, they do take a certain amount of time and yeah. they, they need some quiet space. So it's not always possible to do that in the car with, with two kids in the back seat when you're late for something, you know, or you're at a stoplight. So there, I break it up into one minute strategies, 10 minute strategies and 30 minute strategies. And then I don't even go further than that because yeah, yeah if you have no, time for longer, time great. For that. Go on a retreat. Then you, like, yeah, exactly. Go to a younger retreat in Mexico, girl. Okay, yeah. give us the one minute strategies because this is, I think, where people are going to find the most. Like, this is probably where people have the most difficulty is okay. in the moment. So yes. tell us some of those. Okay, so and what I would ask for you yeah. is, can you hop in with explaining what is happening in our brains neurologically when this when I do each one of these? Because you'll probably be able to explain it better than you I. You are yeah. speaking my love language. Yes, go. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful. We can tag team it. Okay. So the first one I'm going to give is chewing gum. Okay. So when you chew and you can, I'm going to explain it in the, in a kind of more practical terms and you can explain it neurologically. So our bodies think that we are eating. Okay. Because cavemen didn't have gum. I don't think maybe they had chewed on bark or something. They could have done that too, or leaves, but your body thinks that you're eating. And so your body and your brain thinks that you are safe. You are not about to be chased by a saber-toothed tiger. You don't need your body to work as if it's about to go into fight or flight mode, right? So your heart rate, you know, I, I'll let you explain that kind of stuff. But so you're basically tricking your brain into believing that you are in fact safe. So the blood can go back to your brain from your extremities. Your heart rate can go down. You can maybe, your respiratory rate can go down. You can breathe more deeply. I'll let you explain more. But that is a great way at kind of going around your logical mind <laughs> instead of like, I need to calm down. I have five minutes before this meeting and I'm so upset right now. I can blah, 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 blah. It's a way to trick your brain into calming the F down. Do you want yes. to explain? Yes. Wait, and let me make this connection too before I explain that. Think about when you chew food. When we go for food, part of that is a calming strategy that we're doing as like a very basic evolutionary practice to try to calm ourselves down because Ooh, I eating love is calming. So it's way better to be chewing food, to be chewing gum than to be like, grab the cake and stuff it in your mouth at a time when you're stressed out, right? Yeah. Okay, so basically, this is how I explain it to people. Your brain is super smart, but it's also super dumb. So it, it thinks that we literally are still in our cages. Like yeah. on its basic level, especially when it gets triggered by stress. Yeah, we've not changed, right? We've not no, evolved. You have not, we have not changed at all. So even though we would like to think that we are <laughs> like hyper aware and we can think through everything. No, when you get in a stress state, your body basically goes to the basics. And that basic is, I need to get away from this. I need to run. I need to hide. I need to go as fast as possible. So what happens? Like, again, think about, like you said, a tiger chasing us in, in the woods or in the jungle. So that means our heart rate has to go up. Our blood pressure is going to go up. 
our eyes are getting all focused on the prize and we're not going to think clearly. All we're going to think about is like, get from point A to point B. We cannot problem solve. At that moment, we are just in like high stress, one direction mode. On the other hand, when we're in a relaxed state, it's like our bodies think that we're floating in a river from the dark ages and that it's time to eat and that we're like all safe and sound. So our digestion is that's when that kind of kicks in and that's good. That's when our heart rate blows down, our blood pressure goes down, we feel more relaxed. So you can, like you said, trick your brain into thinking when you have what I like to call paper tigers. So like you see a bill from your credit card, you're like, oh no, like that's a paper tiger, right? It's not yeah. a real tiger that's placing you in the jungle, but in modern days, that's a real tiger. Or yeah, you're five minutes late to take your kid to camp and they're going to make and it. Can I say one thing camp. about paper tigers? Can I say one thing about paper yeah, tigers? Yeah, yeah. The funny thing is, is even if the paper tiger turns out to be like a paper kitten, but for a second, you think it is, you think it's the bill. You think it's maybe that angry email from your, you know, from your boss or your neighbor or your ex landlord, and it's not. It doesn't matter. Yeah, your body still goes into. It doesn't the fight even matter flight. if it's not yep. really the thing that is scary. Yes. So you can trick your brain by go by doing activities that mimic what happened when you were in the relaxation state when you're your parasympathetic nervous system. So. Yeah. Okay. So that's an awesome one. Okay. I love it. So we'll do we'll do two more quick ones because I think they touch on slightly different mechanisms. So one of them is a cross lateral movement. I don't know if you've talked to your audience about these yet. No. No. Okay. This is all new info. I like it. <laughs> okay. So the easiest cross lateral movement that's easy to teach from the you know from the waist up here is if you put one hand flat. So say put your left hand flat like a pancake, and you take mm-hmm. your right hand, and I want you to karate chop across it six times as quickly as possible, and then you're going to reverse the hands. So you're going to go one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. And I want you to move your top hand only so that, because sometimes we we only move our dominant hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to make sure that you're reversing that. And what this does is it facilitates the communication between your right and left hemispheres. So if you're spiraling, you just you can't let go of something. You're so upset or you're so angry or you're so hurt and you're just kind of stuck in that. So a cross lateral movement and really any movement that cro- where you're, you're physically moving your body. So literally like walking, crawling, anything. But if it crosses the midline of your brain, like this is why tapping has become, you know, really, really, you know, talked about a lot and used so much that if you do this movement, you do this karate chop, you're going to go six times as quickly as possible and then six times as quickly as possible. Now, make sure that you actually relax your shoulders and breathe because if you're holding your breath and you're just going as fast as you can and your teeth are chunked, that's the opposite of what we want here. That's not going to help. So you do have to purposefully relax your shoulders, breathe in and out through your nose, and then do six and six and six. And I've had people, Whitney, ask me, well, how long do you do it? And it was so interesting because I thought, oh, I've never had to time it because you can tell physiologically when you start to calm down. So I will estimate that it takes no more than 30 seconds most of the time for you to calm your nervous system and all of a sudden, you're like, okay, I, I remember what just happened. It didn't like cause any sort of self-hypnosis, but it released that visceral, agitated, emotional reaction. 
And I can look at it with a lot more reason and space. And I mean, I think workspaces should use this before you start a team meeting. I think if if you are in the middle of an argument with your partner and you're not getting anywhere and it's just cycling, A, don't do it before bedtime. Don't do it in your bedroom. Go outside if you can. Be moving if you can. Make a lot of advice for that. But one of these cross-lateral movements will also help you take a moment and reset your central nervous system. Mama, it is here and available for download. It's the new Modern Mamas Club app. We are so ready to join you on your personal journey from conflicted to centered. We want to take you on an evidence-based path from feeling conflicted all the time, from feeling pulled in all kinds of directions, from feeling burnt out to feeling really purposeful and aligned. As you move through your working motherhood experience, no matter what is happening around you. So go check it out in the App Store. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a couple things happening with that. One, we have like a more logical side of our brain and then a side of our brain that's more like artistic or creative or whatnot. And so by crossing those two things, it's making it so that we're able to bring more logic like into the moment. The other thing that it's doing is releasing some of that energy. You know, they say like when you have like anger, you have like a big emotion, it has to go somewhere. So it could come out and you're spewing out, you know, obscenities of people. It could go with you like, again, coping by eating something really quick, or it could go by you moving your body. It also is a distraction for a second, but not in a way that you have to think about like, don't be, don't think about it. Don't get angry. Don't get angry. Don't get angry. <laughs> it's more like I'm going to focus my attention on this movement that I'm doing. So. All three of those things are happening in your brain when you do that. The other thing that happens when you get really upset is you have your limbic system, which is, again, kind of your reptilian brain, your most kind of archaic part of your brain, that's your emotion center. And then your logical brain, which sits in your prefrontal cortex, kind of, I always think about it, no one can right now, but I have like a fist as the amygdala. And then we have the prefrontal cortex for top. And when you are upset, it actually flips your lid, we call it pediatrics, right? And makes it so that that prefrontal cortex all of a sudden has absolutely no control at all. It gets out of the way, right? Yeah, it gets out of the way. It's developed on purpose, right? Like, yeah, you don't need me right now, right? Yeah, again, kind of with the tiger thing, right? Because it's like, whoa, I guess you don't need me. We need to run purely on emotion right now, adrenaline, right? Think like adrenaline. What's the thing that I need to do right this second? I mean, think people who like, heroically pick up a car so that they can get a baby out of the way. It can be really helpful in situations where there actually is a need for that yeah. piece of our our brain to work. But yeah, and a you lot of times want your prefrontal cortex saying, you can't lift this car. That's not logical. You might hurt your back, blah, blah, blah. You don't need that language. You don't need that. Right, exactly. But when we are kind of flipping our lids emotionally, then we do want more of that logic to come down. So that's another way to think about it is that this type of activity allows the moment, allows the pause for that lid to come back down and for our prefrontal cortex to be involved and in sync with our emotions instead of them being completely separate. Beautiful, beautiful. And I, I have a feeling that most of these, you know, there's so there's a lot of different things that you can do like this. 
And in the book, I I have a whole chapter where I I walk people through creating their own. And this is where we circle back to self-trust and really knowing what's going to work best for you versus your neighbor, your best friend, your sister-in-law, because they're going to come and be like, oh my gosh, I found this thing I'm doing. It's called a cross-lateral movement. It's awesome. Now, granted, I think that is one that will work for almost everybody. (laughs) But, (laughs) But sometimes people suggest things that you're like, oh, okay, I want the result you are getting. So I'm going to do that same thing before kind of checking in and saying, like I've had people a lot come to me lately and be like, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with CrossFit. Like I love it. It's changed my life. It's so fun. And and I feel myself starting to like get excited with them. Like, okay, I need to find a CrossFit class. And then I sit back and say, okay, I want the result that they have. And you know what? I already know what gives me that result because especially if you're a little older, dancing, dance classes, hands down, dance classes do it for me way more than any other type of physical activity I have found to date. Uh And so instead I say, oh, I want that result. Do I know another way that I already know has worked for me in the past or something I've really wanted to always do and never quite given myself the permission to do? That's what you need to answer. So anyway, in the book, I have what's called, I call your emergency emotional support plan. And what I want you to do there is I want you to pick three of the activities, because I suggest a bunch of them, like the ones we just mentioned. I want you to pick three that are in the 60-second range, three that are in the 10-minute, and three that are in the 30-minute. And that's your plan. Because often when we're in the zone, it's hard to remember. And even if we remember, sometimes we don't want to do it. Because part of us feels validated when we stay mad. It's like, well, they need to know that this is not okay what they did, blah, blah, blah. So I'll show them by re- being really pissy all day. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we self-sabotage ourselves, basically. Yeah. yeah. So we write the whole like drinking poison thinking it's going to hurt your enemy. Like really, it's mostly hurting you to stay in that zone. So when you create your own emergency support plan and you have it in your phone and you have it on your laptop and you have a printout in your car, or whatever, or in your purse, and then you you check in you also know your triggers like man i'm i'm going to that ice cream drawer in my freezer every single time the kids go to bed this week i know something's up with me i know i'm i'm being emotionally triggered and i'm soothing myself with you know ice cream or whatever it is mm-hmm. or i know that when i start like ranting on social media on people's feeds that i don't even know and i don't even care about I know for me, that's that's an indication something's off and I maybe need to elicit some or, you know, Im- start implementing some true, what I call true self-care, not surface self-care, which is nice in the moment, yeah, but sure. it's, not, totally fine. Yeah. it's not this kind of lasting deep effect. So knowing your triggers is a, is a big part of the book, like giving you an idea and then also have creating this emotional emergency support plan. And then you know, understanding, and we haven't even talked about it yet, These, it, which anxiety style you are. So I have it broken up. And so that you know, it's based loosely on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. So except for one of them. So it's based on four. I didn't include the one that's the most fundamental because most of the people reading books like this are not also really worried about day in and day out if they're meeting their their basic physiological needs. Like right. they're not can they're not have time to go to Barnes and Noble and get this book or like, like jogging and listening to it on Audible. So, but there was another category that I felt I was missing. So I added a fifth. And so they are lover, fighter, executive, 
visionary, and dynamo. And these five all have different triggers that tend to trigger one person more than another. They have Mm -hmm. different contributing factors. They have different, what I call superhero traits, really these amazing skills and abilities that you've developed as a result of this anxiety style that totally serve you. And we want to like take Mm -hmm. a moment and celebrate and acknowledge like, oh my gosh, you're such an organized person. You're so loyal. You're very perceptive of other people's needs or moods. You are, you know, all all of the, you're, you know, you're a visionary. You just have this big picture focus or you really listen to your intuition. You make decisions from this kind of like gut, heart-based, you know, position or you're very, you know, whatever it is, like, let's celebrate that where it's serving you. And then let's see maybe what parts of your anxiety style are not any longer because my guess is at some point they were serving you. Yeah. But maybe they're not serving you so much anymore, or they are protective mechanisms that you put in place at one point in your life when you needed them. And now you don't anymore because you're safer, you're in a healthier relationship, or you live in a safer apartment complex. Like who knows what it is? You can maybe learn to let down and release some of those protective layers that you've put on. And and move forward from there. So yeah. this is a framework that can help people kind of understand, oh, okay, my partner is a lover and I'm an executive. Oh, that makes so much more sense. Yeah. Now. I love that part of the book because actually that, I mean, that that's totally how it is for oh, me really? and, my, and my partner. Yeah. And like you were saying about protective measures that you take that served you maybe previously or again that maybe you're you didn't understand why you're using them previously but maybe now you have a deeper understanding of kind of who you are and why you operate the way you do and what I find back to what we're saying about like being mad for all day long just like giving every icing everybody out giving everybody the cold shoulder when we're mad or like exploding at everybody is that the reason part of the reason that it ends up self-sabotaging us is because it steals our power like it makes it so that those boundaries are even harder to hold later because then we don't trust ourselves even more because we go, man, I get all mad. It ends up that then I act like a jerk to everybody. You know what I mean? When I have feelings about something, when I feel like my priorities aren't met, then the way I respond then creates havoc for everybody. So that I shouldn't, again, assert my opinion or assert my, my needs because in the end, it comes back to bite me. And so yeah. if we can learn healthier ways to, in that moment, calm our nervous systems yeah. and then respond respond versus react and like respond in a way that's going to help us and help the yeah. other person and get our point across, then we build our own power. And like yeah. we make it so that then people do listen to us and we ask them for what they need. Or maybe they don't, but we feel okay with that already. Oh, yeah. you know, anyways, because we feel good about who we are. We know when we trust ourselves. Since we've kind of, I feel like self-trust has been kind of like a core thing that we're, that's connecting everything that we're talking about. And I have a little like mini exercise, I think a strategy that can help with this. So a lot of people, especially new moms will be, and rightly so, overwhelmed. I'm busy. I have so many things on my list or I now have little kids and I'm taking care of my aging parents or they're across the country and I can't, and I have this guilt about it. You know, I mean, there's so many things. So I encourage people in that situation, especially when it's not like, hey, you have a lot of stuff on your list. You should just get rid of some of it. That's not always possible. Okay. 
And and of course, there are a lot of great strategies with how to you know check in, see what can you delegate, what can you delay, what can you delete. Those are great. However, sometimes you're still left with more on your plate than you can emotionally handle. So what do you do then? Here's what I recommend. You're going to add something to your plate. So I understand that that's counterintuitive, but here's how it works. You look at everything that you're doing. How are you spending your time? What are you attending to? Where are your resources going? So it's like time, energy, resources, attention. Where is all that going? And how aligned is it with what's really important to you? So two things, what's really important to you and what lights you up. So if you are spending a lot of any of those categories, a lot of time, a lot of energy, or a lot of attention, or a lot of resources on things that you do not really care about. So for instance, we have a bunch of people coming over this afternoon to shoot a music video because my kids are musicians. I have been an ancient mess, anxious mess this morning because my house is a mess. My house is a mess because I live with a lot of people and we're all messy and it's not a priority for me. I would love to live in a spotless, beautiful house. I do not prioritize my time that way. I just don't. I'd rather do five podcasts today than clean my effing house. Yes. Really would. Amber, okay, you walked right into this. So that's what my entire new book that's coming out in February is all about. It's about doing it all. And the entire book is about how do you define what those things are? Yes. Oh, beautiful. That you care the most about. Yes. So that you can put less energy or say no or delegate or whatever to everything else. So like the other piece outside of it matters less because it's really starting with, it's like Stephen Colby in, I can't remember the book, but it's about like, you put the big rocks in, you put the big rocks in first. You know what I mean? So you've got to fill your life, fill your jar yeah. First with the stuff that lights you up and that you love and that you feel passionate about and that yeah. makes you excited and makes you whole, gives you joy. And then if the other stuff doesn't get done or doesn't get done in the way you want it or you don't check everything off your list, you're like, whatevs. <laughs> so, here, <laughs> so, so here's my strategy for people who feel like, oh my God, there's a, I already put the sand in and there's already the medium rocks and I only have space for two of my big boulders. What do I do? So this is what I recommend. I don't know if the analogy will follow with the rocks, but what I want you to do is I will often have people make a list of all the ways they generally spend their day. Okay, I send emails, I run errands, yeah. you know, whatever it is. And you rate them on a scale of one to 10. 10 mm-hmm. being like eight, nine or tens are like, oh my gosh, this fills me up. It's a big rock. I love it. I would do this every day. It's so fun. Five is completely neutral. Doesn't really take anything out of me. But it doesn't really fulfill me either. Like I can take it or lose it. It's it's not really adding or depleting me emotionally direct during my day. And a one or two is like, I could never do this again and be totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Making dinner, cleaning mm-hmm. the house. Okay. So, but everybody's are different, right? Somebody else is making dinner, making a beautiful, healthy dinner for their family is an eight, nine or 10 for them. Like that is yeah. what fuels them. So this is so personal. And what I recommend you do is find something that is an eight, nine, or 10, and you add it to your list. You add it to your week. You add it at least once a week. And what I want you to do today is whatever it is that just popped into your head that's an eight, nine, or 10. Okay. And if you're not sure what it is, but it's, if you're like, I don't even know anymore, I don't even know what's an eight, nine, or 10 for me. 
what used, so you can ask yourself what used to be an eight, nine or 10 for you. They haven't done in a long time, right? Give yourself permission to do it again. What have you kind of always wanted to do? Oh, you know what? I really want to learn French. And bonus points if it's something that doesn't add to the financial bottom line of your family, because then you know it's really coming from your heart. Mm. It's you're not doing it for anybody else. And if other people would think it's kind of weird, like because then, yeah, yeah, you know, like some people all have this conversation with and they'll be like, I just love getting out in my garden barefoot and like planting tomato plants. Like that makes me so happy. And I'm like, yes, do that because I don't want to do that. And I don't, you know, like, so, you know, it's really coming from a deep place and, and only you can, it's only going to be right for you probably. (laughs) Yeah. One question you can ask people that you love and trust and you think have your back is to be like, when do you, when you think of me at like my happiest, like my best self, what am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. And then that way, I mean, you know, because sometimes you've got so long not doing anything and people see you like always upset, but they, if they've been your friends for a while, they're your friends for a reason. There must be something that they liked about you, you know? So ask other people. What's the thing if you're really lost? Because I know there's something. Yeah. I know there's something you love. And if they're like, oh, whenever you're talking about books, you're always talking my ear off about books or you're always talking my ear off about whatever, marine biology or whatever it is. We'll find Facebook groups with people who have similar interests. I mean, I have people that literally I can text a sentence. I can say, oh my gosh, this sentence. Can you believe it? I just read this sentence. How beautiful is this sentence? I mean. There's not too many people that would be like, please don't, don't please text take me off your, off your text chains. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a couple of people that I can text that and they would be like, oh, heck yeah. That or yeah. this word. Like, how cool is this word? I mean, so I know that's just me, right? Yeah. I am not making that shit up. Like, that <laughs> yeah. is. Oh man, you and I, I feel like we could like talk nerdy to each other and like author to each other all day long because maybe yeah. we're like, you know, lost soul sisters. But yes, it's about like, what's the thing that when you say it, it kind of makes you laugh and everybody else laughs too. Those are the things. Those Those are the the things. things. So today, so anybody listening, what I want you to do is today, today, like if it's 1130, you're going to do it before midnight. So today, I want you to make a step in that direction. So book the class, email the friend, find that Facebook group, get out the guitar. Like you don't have to do the thing right now, but put it in your schedule for Tuesday morning, whatever it is, make, make it that much easier to do sometime this week, but like take forward action on it today, like within the next 24 hours or before midnight tonight. I like before midnight tonight. Cause that's sooner. Cause I feel like once you sleep, you're going to be on to the next thing. Oh, you'll be, your kids will be at the new breakfast. We don't want yeah. That. We, yeah. Do it do now. It tonight. Okay, we're going to end there because you guys have something, a a really, really pressing issue that you need to get to. So we're going to give you time to do that. Amber, this has been maybe one of my favorite episodes. Tell people where they can find you, where they can find the book, where they can get more of this absolute gold information from you. Beautiful. Okay, so I am at ambertrueblood.com. There is an anxiety styles quiz you can take. I also have a quiz called the Super Sense Quiz that can also help you find ways to reduce stress and anxiety depending on your Super Sense. The book, I highly recommend. It's a great resource tool that you can use and go back to over and over again. It's called The Unflustered Mom. 
It is also on Audible. So if you prefer to listen to your books, you can check it out on Audible. When you order it, make sure to go to my website and put in what your anxiety style is and like where you ordered the book. I think it might ask you. And then you put in your email address and you will get a bunch of really cool stuff to your inbox. So that will include like a guided meditation specific to your anxiety style, a a guided mantra practice that's like four minutes, super short. To your that's specific to your anxiety style. I have my top nine sleep tips for moms on there that are very simple. Please just pick one at a time, unless you're a, a fighter anxiety style and you want to like do them all and just throw everything up the window and like just start like completely change everything, which is that's you. Awesome. If not, just choose one sleep tip to add. But there's a bunch of amazing resources there that are kind of my thank you to anybody who orders and reads the book. Awesome. Thanks for being here. We'll see you guys next time. This was super fun. Hey, mama. If you want more of the Modern Mommy Doc podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.